0: Sup, exponers. This is Jesse here with a little update about this week's podcast. So I had to record roughly a day earlier than I usually do due to some work scheduling conflicts. I just knew that that would mean that some really big news would break as soon as I was finished recording and uploading the episode. Well, as fate would have it, The second I finished recording and editing the episode, uh, I then went to do a really late night work shift, and as I was at work, found out that, yeah, E3 got canceled, and Phil Spencer announced, along with Ubisoft, they both announced that both Xbox and Ubisoft will both be holding their own respective live streams in place of E3 this year. So obviously, these are massive news stories that would absolutely be covered normally in the week. But unfortunately, I had already recorded the podcast before any of that news broke, literally hours before it broke. So it's not going to be in this week's show, but we will discuss that all in great detail next show. Just wanted to preface with that in case any of the conversation this week's episode seemed a little dated. But rest assured, we will get into that on next week's episode. So sorry for that. Sorry for that inconvenience. But you know what? Y'all are a bunch of uh, snot-faced exponers anyway, so suck it. Thank you so much for your understanding now back onto the regular show. Xbox on. Welcome to Xbox On, the podcast with one host about one console, the Xbox One. I'm said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of March 12th, 2020, including Microsoft will be live streaming their now canceled GDC panels, including one about the Xbox Series X. Call of Duty Warzone is finally announced and is now out and free to the public. 2K Games are getting another swing at making a football game, offering a competitor to Madden for the first time in years, and more. for this week we surprisingly actually don't have any comments shout outs concerns and i guess i'll use that as a chance to reiterate to you guys remember that the success of this podcast is solely predicated on you as the listener commenting responding five-starring reviewing sharing talking about this show i come up here every thursday and do my part by putting out the podcast so if you guys aren't carrying the torch and, and really doing all the all the uh the rest of the, the grunt work and really making the show grow then how can I be held responsible for that so remember I, ne- I need your help and uh, I've earned it I'm entitled to it so get going bitch aside from that of course we got to make a little special shout out to Ori in the Will of the Wisps which is uh, now out seems to be getting a lot of critic love um, I can't help but feel like Ori you know Ori in the Blind Forest I'll be honest I only played the first few hours of it um, just because I wasn't feeling like another Metroidvania-type game at the time of its release. Although I will say, I think the game is absolutely stunning. I love the visuals of that game. I think the, uh, the character, Ori, is really charming-looking, although I remember pretty much nothing about the story. It's, it's one of those games I feel guilty about not getting back to, but I will say that it does seem kind of like, within the Xbox community, there's a big push for this game to seem like kind of a bigger deal than it is otherwise. I don't feel like as many non-Xbox-centric gamers really pay attention to this series, and honestly, I'm kind of surprised I ever even got a sequel, but I am glad to see it got a sequel, and I I really hope gamers do enjoy it. Um, Maybe one day I'll finally get around to finishing the first one, and then I'll play this one, but got to make a shout-out to a new Xbox exclusive that's now out as of this week, and uh, yeah, it seems like a lot of people are saying it's very hard, so as if I needed another game that was going to make me grind my teeth and, and curse at my TV screen, so... But if you're into that, if you've been looking forward to that, I'm excited for you. Go ahead and play some Ori in the World of the Wisps this week. As for the rest of us, I'm gonna be playing, or let's let's use this as a segue to talk about what I've been playing. But first, let me tell you what I've been eating. So this week, I actually did finally cave and try that Wendy's breakfast. It's pretty solid, I'll say. It's pretty solid. I'm not a big fan of like those beefy potato kind of fries, but those those wedge potato wedge fries they have they're pretty solid. The baconator sandwich. Now a lot of people are confused on this. They think it's like the regular baconator burger with like an egg on top. Incorrect. False news. It is a uh, it is a sausage breakfast patty. So make, you know, no bones about it. This is a breakfast sandwich through and through and it's it's actually quite delicious. Uh I got to I got to give this, you know, if we're if we're ranking breakfast fast food, I'm going to put this in, you know, this is a little heresy for me to say as as I'm a massive Taco Bell fan, but I'm going to put Wendy's breakfast above taco bell for sure now i don't know if i'm going to put it i I don't know that's quite mcdonald's good the baconator itself the breakfast baconator is phenomenal but the rest of the menu it's 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 solid nothing i tried today was bad and i tried way too many items more than i'm more than i'm proud to admit but um i will say other than that baconator sandwich it's the rest of it's just okay or pretty good but nothing's like a Nothing's like super standout other than that one sandwich, so I'm not going to say it's McDonald's breakfast good just because McDonald's breakfast has such a well-rounded menu and you know such an iconic menu, but it's, it's up there, so yeah, Wendy's breakfast for sure, big shout out to that. Also, this week, I've been on a big, you know, you know me, you know I'm a big TGI Fridays guy, but this week I've actually been kind of, I don't know how you say it, stepping down from the TGI fandom and kind of turning over to the Rainforest Cafe T-Rex side of things. Now, for those who aren't in the know, and I mean, I'm sure everyone knows this. It's kind of common knowledge. Rainforest Cafe is a Landry's-owned restaurant, the Landry's Restaurant Group. And so here in Central Florida, where there's a lot of tourism, obviously, uh, we get a lot of the Landry's restaurants. And, and what restaurants are entailed in that group aren't really that relevant to you. All you need to know about is Rainforest Cafe. And then here in Orlando, we have kind of like a cousin restaurant to that called t-rex it's a similar thing if you never heard of rainforest cafe it's this wonderful family sit-down restaurant uh, and it's themed to the nines you got you got animatronic gorillas you've got you've got uh, zebras and in aquarium tanks and there's uh vines hanging from the walls and every every 10 minutes you know uh, a thunderstorm comes through and all the animals flip out it's just a wonderful uh, it's a wonderful place for people to gather and have a wonderful meal and make memories together. And I just, I can't, I can't be any more proud to just declare that I have uh, pledged my allegiance to the Rainforest Cafe, and that's kind of now where my my chain restaurant fandom lies. And uh, I'm gonna continue to champion Rainforest Cafe and T Rex. So if you if you took issue with uh, TGI Fridays, that's fine. You know that's 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 your opinion. But if you take issue with Rainforest Cafe. I am inclined to fight you in, in uh in hand to hand combat and I will I will not show any mercy. I will annihilate you entirely if you uh if you oppose this this view. But anyway, that's what I've been eating. We won't fixate on it too long because if I do I might just end up grabbing a seat down at the Rainforest Cafe and, and spending money I don't have. But let's let's get into what I've been playing if you're into that kind of thing. And this week I actually might surprise you i've been playing red dead redemption too. i know i said i was gonna play some more anthem but i was i was playing through some anthem earlier in the week and then red dead was calling to me i downloaded it i told you last week i got it it was on sale games with gold and so i downloaded it and uh it was it was calling to me so i i'll be really honest I was in extremely intimidated by this game because, you know, I used this website called howlongtobeat.com. I'm sure you may have heard of it. And the website basically just like people track, you know, their their playtime with the game and then kind of aggregates like an average playtime for every game. And then gives you like an idea of how long it will take you to complete the game if you want to do all the collectibles, if you just want to rush through the story and so, that sort of thing. And so it quotes this game as like a 47-hour long game just for the campaign alone. And, like, the first Red Dead Redemption, it says, is, like, a 20-hour game. And I played the first Red Dead Redemption only, like, two or three years ago. And I thought that game was, like, a little long in the tooth. So I'm like, how the hell am I going to play 47 hours of Red Dead Redemption 2? And then, of course, aside from that, you know, everyone who I ever have ever spoke with about this game, who's played it, comes back with the whole, like, oh, either it's really boring and really slow, or it's, like, you'll just fall off because there's too much of it at one point. i like, so that's just so deterring to me. But nonetheless, I, I was in the mood to try it out. And I got to be honest, I'm... Pretty pleased to say, like I immediately, like right off the bat, was in, like in totally captured by this game. I thought the opening sequence was amazing. I so far I'm maybe like seven, seven, eight hours into the game. I haven't found it to be slow or boring at any point. The game is just so incredibly cinematic, even in like the most, even the most like objectively slow moments. Like if you're talking about like the character movement or kind of like the dialogue, even when it's at its slowest, like everything around you is so interesting that it feels deliberate and feels justified. Like, the game is just so good. Like, there's just all these little touches. It feels, actually, to me very much like Red Dead Redemption 1. I don't feel like... It doesn't feel like too much of a departure from the first one, other than it's just, of course, highly more detailed, more sophisticated. There's more to do, that kind of thing. But I I will be honest. uh, It's just such such an impressive game. Everything about it, like, you'll just... I don't know, you'll just, like, hit A while riding your horse to, like, kind of make it go faster, and your character will just do this new animation beforehand. I don't know, like, you'll just see your character, like, pet the horse or something before he, like, heals to just make it go faster, and it's just all these, like, stupid little animations that sometimes pop up here or sometimes pop up there just to make everything seem more fluid and natural and just kind of like it's this world where you know the game kind of exists separate of the inputs of the of the player but it the game never takes control over everything so it never feels like you're not responsible for like the movement and the inputs it just i don't know everything about the game it's it's one of those things like only rockstar could have done this you know take like 6 plus years to make a game with this much detail and this much uh design and intention and it feels to me like it was i don't know it just seems like the game's justified it's it's long play time it's slow paced nature i just think that's actually pretty awesome game now 47 hours I don't know how I'm gonna feel about this game maybe 20 30 in so I don't know if I'll see through to the end but I am pretty invested in the characters and the story and I really do want to see it through the end especially considering how much I liked the first one and how shocked I am that I'm really loving the second one so hopefully I'll beat it but um I may be a graying old man by the time I get there who who knows because I'm honest to god a pretty slow player when it comes to gaming but yeah Red Dead Redemption 2 I'm actually pretty pleased to say to report that I'm enjoying it quite a bit and Maybe if you were sleeping on it, I, I don't know if the game's still on sale on, on Xbox Live. It may be, but maybe you should uh, give it a try. You know, if you have if you have life that's getting in the way, maybe just tell your job, fuck you. If you have a girlfriend that you got you got commitment with, maybe you gotta maybe you gotta take care of her. Maybe she's got a birthday coming up. Maybe tell her fuck you and just uh, play some, play some Red Dead. And so with that said, let's just jump into this week's news, of which there isn't. There isn't too much. It's another slower kind of news week. But I think if you were tired of hearing so much about coronavirus last week, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised to hear that this week we're going to talk a whole lot about the coronavirus. So let's jump in. Our first news story this week comes from IGN and story reads, Amidst the cancellation of GDC, Microsoft has announced two days of live streams to replace the talks and panels that would otherwise be held during the now canceled conference. What's most interesting about this news is that it confirms a panel regarding the Xbox Series X and Project X Cloud. The stream event is being titled GameStack Live and will air on Mixer from March 17th through 18th and allow viewers to, quote, learn about the latest cloud and gaming development technologies from Microsoft, go behind the scenes with the creators of Xbox Game Studios and ID at Xbox program, and level up with deep technical talks and panel discussions led by industry leaders, end quote. The Xbox Series X Plus Project X Cloud Equals new chapter in gaming panel will air on Wednesday, March 18th at 2:40 p.m. Eastern Time. Microsoft hasn't specifically said that they will include new information, but as we all still don't know much about the relationship between Xbox Series X and Project X Cloud, it's safe to assume that we'll learn something new, if small at least from this talk. Of course, there will be uh, many more talks going on throughout the two days of live streaming pertaining to things like uh, ray tracing and DirectX, and talks from the dev teams behind games like Sea of Thieves, Gears 5, Wasteland, uh, so a lot of Xbox-related talks and panels. It is important to note that these kinds of talks at GDC are more tied to like, developer-esque stuff, more like technical stuff, behind the scenes stuff, and less about like consumer-focused game news, so you're not going to learn something like, oh, these are the features of the Xbox Series X, and this is when it's coming out. You're going to learn more with, like nerdy, kind of in-depth things that like maybe techie people or industry people would be more interested to learn. But nonetheless, you're going to learn something. So it's it, GDC is one of those things where it's like if you if you have too much nerdy knowledge and you're way too plugged in, you might learn a, a, a nice thing or two. Otherwise, for most people, it's um, this is more for the behind-the-scenes people than it is the front-facing public. But nonetheless. This is cool to see Microsoft saying, "Hey, obviously we can't coordinate this this event in in um, live in person, but we can at least give you this so that you know not all is lost." GDC is such an important event because it is one of those, like I was saying last week, it's one of those things where you need to have everyone in person to shake hands and give out business cards and really network. But at, at the very least, at least we can host you know these panels via live streaming and have this event take place in some form or fashion. Uh, because the coronavirus isn't gonna stop us all, you know. If you're Microsoft, if you're the company that owns Skype, if you're the company that owns Mixer, if you're the company responsible for Windows and Microsoft Edge and all these all these programs and operating systems and things that allow us to connect from all over the world and communicate with each other, and you better have a good excuse for why you can't hold a panel just because you can't have it in person. So, cool to see that that this will still take place. I, for one, uh, won't be watching these, but stay tuned to podcasts or news sites as if any kind of information trickles out from this uh we will learn from from those kinds of sites that pick and choose all the uh, in, the important information from these kinds of panels but then our second story gets into more of the uh more of the cool hardcore gamer news so from windows central we've got a former nintendo of america president and figure loved across gaming and is joining gamestop that's right gamestop the company that will give you $0.34 cents for trading in Star Wars Battlefront Two, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, and Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. The company announced Monday that Reggie fils has been appointed to the Board of Directors. According to the press release, GameStop will also appoint William Sim- Simmon, who has 30 years of experience in retail, including Walmart and James J.K. Simmonak. Sim- Sim- I don't read. I'm illiterate. Uh, who has been the president and ceo of PetSmart since 2018 because at GameStop they view all their customers as pets the quote from the from the press release reads They are each highly qualified in bringing significant relevant experience to our turnaround. We are looking forward to an immediate benefit uh, from their expertise and perspectives as we navigate the evolving gaming and retail environments, execute on our strategic initiatives, and prepare the company for a maximized value creation associated with the next stage of gaming consoles launching later this year, said GameStop CEO George Sherman. In a statement, fils took to Twitter and tweeted uh, in, in regards to this news, quote, The gaming industry needs a healthy and vibrant GameStop. I look forward to being part of the GameStop Corporation board and helping make this thing happen, end quote. So Fizeme, obviously, m- many of you may know him. He joined Nintendo back in 03 and went on to become one of the biggest faces in the company, along with uh, a bunch of many, many memes, as we all as we all know F- the F- Mr. Fizemech. He retired in 2019 and was replaced by Doug Bowser. Uh, besides the new GameStop gig, he's also been a leader in residence at Cornell University the past year. The appointments come after a long search and following the retirement of four directors effective June 2020 and two by June 2021. This also comes as a sh- as the struggle building company is looking to turn around its strategy for long-term success. Last year, GameStop announced it was closing up to 200 stores, with plans to close even more stores over the next two years. Earlier in 2019, the company also laid off 50 uh, field leaders and seven from Game Informer, their gaming magazine that GameStop owns. Yeah, if you didn't know that, GameStop owns Game Informer. That's why you can only buy the magazine or get the subscription when you when you go in and they say, "Hey, power to the player! Would you like a subscription to this antiquated magazine?" You're like, "No." I'm just looking for a goddamn used Xbox 360 controller. Uh, And then it says, GameStop has also been losing money over the last few years, as well reporting a loss of $488 million in the third quarter of 2018, despite solid growth from hardware sales and accessories. It also reported losses in the fiscal fourth quarter and fiscal full year of around half a billion dollars. So that basically translates to Game, GameStop is fucked. So yeah, this is um this is one of those things everyone obviously heard this news and fo- focused solely on Reggie Fesime and I mean, you got to think about I'm not going to pretend like I know about the CEO of PetSmart or the this guy who uh has leading experience working for companies like Walmart, but you see the first two guys and these first two guys have a lot of experience with big box retail. So GameStop is more of a boutique store. And so if you get a guy who who has all this ex- expertise running something like Walmart? You know that that's a totally different kind of beast when it comes to the retail environment. And then Petsmart is obviously a extraordinarily different kind of retail market as well. So I, I think those two guys are really important to note before you get into Fisame, just because obviously GameStop is a retail store, so you have these retail experts jumping on the board to kind of help turn the ship around, which I don't think is going to happen, but. Good for them. They should try, and we'll we'll see how this works. But I think those guys are important, really, just because obviously Walmart, probably the biggest name in in retail, period. So just ha- have someone with that kind of expertise on your side, uh, I think is is quite critical to seeing like how you should shift and adjust as a company and kind of restructure in order to try and stay competitive and try to stay relevant in this market somehow. Uh, whereas Visa may stands out obviously to gamers because he's the Nintendo guy we made memes about for so long, but also because he obviously has he, what he brings to the table is kind of pretty much entirely unrelated to, to retail. Although I'm not sure what he did before, uh, before Nintendo, maybe, maybe he was a retail executive. Maybe he worked for Marshall's who knows, but yeah, I mean, Reggie fils obviously he was the head of Nintendo of America from like 06 to like 2019. And he's been with the company since the early two thousands until last year when he retired but this is just one of those things where it's like Reggie why the hell would you leave Nintendo go teach for a year at a at a massively well-respected university and then go be on the board for GameStop and as as that sink as that ship is obviously sinking and i think it's one of those things where it's like if Reggie Feseme can be a part of the the team that helps turn GameStop around and and turn GameStop from You know, the company everyone knew was going to fail and go under to a company that like reinvented itself in the early 2020s and became, you know, massively uh, successful again. Then he will be given so much credit and so much respect forever for being that guy, you know, for being a part of that team. And then also they're probably paying him way more than than they should to be a part of this, so if the whole sink ships anyway, like, I think it's going to happen, well, then that's just easy money, so this is one of those things, like, fils has nothing to lose, and, you know, being on the board of directors isn't like, he's not steering the ship, he's just one of the head voices that is uh is helping kind of steer the ship so it's not like he's taking this on full time this is like his sole focus now he can still do other things but this is just one of those things he can make out like a bandit and or maybe make a great name for himself but either way no matter how this goes it's just all win-win for him anyway the only other thing i can think of is that obviously we know gamestop they announced last year they're trying to shift out of more of the just solely focused on selling games and kind of go into all these boutique stores where they have like the stores that sell old classic games, the stores that have like beanbag chairs and land parties and esports things going on where like people go to hang out to play games, not just shop for games. Um, and so if you're trying to if you're trying to take the concept of GameStop, turn it on its head and look at it through a new lens kind of who better to get on your side than someone from Nintendo because Nintendo is the <laughs> Nintendo is the company that's all about like hey let's let's figure out what everyone in the games industry is doing and then do anything but that so i think Nintendo you know Nintendo's the company that that figured out how to be massively successful despite constantly ignoring fans for decades now about wanting achievements and constantly ignoring fans about wanting a half decent online ecosystem and just all these things that Nintendo fans have been clamoring for, things that I was a part of clamoring for for years before I kind of fell out of love with Nintendo a little bit, and and then they still just go, yeah, we're just going to do this instead, and you're going to fucking deal with it. And then you look at like the Nintendo Switch era, where like the Switch is so antiquated and so behind the curve in so many basic ways that you're like, how the hell does anyone care about this? And the Nintendo Switch is arguably the most beloved console on the market right now. Obviously, PS4 is sold way better than Switch, but... People have this this kind of just blatant love and and just blind blind passion for the Switch that I don't think any console has right now, not even PS4. I think people are more willing to be critical, of whatever Sony's doing than what Nintendo's doing at any point. So, I mean, you can be like me and be a little jaded and, and rub the wrong way about that, but if you're Nintendo, that's a that's like it's kind of like being like Apple. It's one of those things where it's like you're deliberately doing the wrong thing all the time and getting positively reinforced and rewarded for it. So. Clearly you're doing the right thing. Clearly you know what the consumer wants even when the consumer doesn't want it and you have this magical ability to consistently disappoint people while still meeting and exceeding expectations in other ways. So if you can get a guy who works for a company that constantly got away with that kind of act, then maybe that's what GameStop needs cuz I guess what I'm trying to say is he's the kind of guy who can look at who can look at the picture and see what everyone is clearly pointing to as the answer, and then just take a, a massive left turn and find a different solution that no one saw coming. So maybe that's why you want a guy like Fizamae on your side if you're GameStop. Um, but nonetheless, I don't know what more to make of that. Uh, but hopefully, you know all the best to Fisa May. GameStop, I don't want all your employees to lose their jobs. That's that's deeply sad. But GameStop as a brand, Game GameStop, if you can separate the brand and the company from the employees that make it, I want GameStop to fail. I hate GameStop. They suck. But yeah, I mean, if they can turn this ship around j- just for the people whose lives are at, whose jobs are at stake, then that'd be a, that'd be a great story. Uh, but nonetheless, we'll see how that pans out as we continue to see this uh, ever evolving, ever ongoing, really odd GameStop story. Our next story here is uh, about Call of Duty. So finally, as of the time of this recording, you're probably already playing it. But Call of Duty Warzone, the game's worst kept secret. Uh, has finally been revealed in a formal sense by Activision, and of course is now out, it's playable, it's the Battle Royale mode that we've known about for months, that keeps leaking, that Activision went and tried to get some Reddit boys in trouble over, uh, and now we we finally know what it is. We've seen gameplay footage, we have it on the market, it's a, it's a thing. So the new Battle Royale is indeed free to play, meaning that players do not need to own a copy of Modern Warfare in order to get into the action. That being said, players who do own Modern Warfare will be able to carry over progress to Warzone and use items that have been unlocked through progression in battle passes, meaning that there are some perks to being an owner of the Modern Warfare game, albeit non-gameplay-altering ones. Warzone consists of two modes, a 150-player Battle Royale mode and a new mode called Plunder. The 150-player Warzone mode can be played in singles, doubles, or triples, and there will be an added contracts that offer side missions within the larger Battle Royale game. In Plunder, teams race to collect as much cash as possible by collecting supply boxes, eliminating enemies, and controlling cash deposit locations. Respawn's are unlimited as the objective is to reach the cash amount rather than be the last man standing. Warzone will be cross-play between PC and consoles, giving me one more option for games uh, with my with my brother and my and my weird little nephew uh, who's a who's a stingy PC nerd. 120 hertz, man. So, yeah, this is finally announced. And honestly, to me, the best part of this news story is that we don't have to keep talking about the rumors and the leaks. We can just be done with it. But, yeah, I mean, go ahead and play this. It's it's Modern Warfare's Battle Royale mode. I don't really know what else to say about it at this point other than to say, obviously, Activision must have the intention that this is going to cannibalize Black Ops uh, Blackout mode, the, the Battle Royale for Black Ops 4. Other than that, it's just we're getting to that tipping point with, with Battle Royale modes now, that it's like okay, you got Apex Legends, you got you got Fortnite. Those two seem like the ones that aren't going anywhere. And then you got PUBG, which was like the one that started it all, which is sadly fallen to the wayside. I'm sure they're still making money off that game, but you know that game is not. It's 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 fallen from grace quite a bit. And then you got Call of Duty, which is like if someone's gonna if someone's gonna brute force their way into this market, it's gonna be Call of Duty. But also, it's just like why why do we need Call of Duty to fixate so much on? On Bell Rail, but we did see. I don't know if we talked about on this show or if it's something I read in passing in recent weeks. But Activision was kind of talking about Call of Duty as this three-pillar approach now, where it's like we've got our classic Call of Duty games, which is, you know, your annually released mainline Call of Duty, which is multiplayer and campaign. Then we got the Battle Royale pillar, which is this free-to-play, everyone can jump in, and if you're not a campaign or a multiplayer guy, you can just do Battle Royale, because there are a lot of people who, pr- who have proven themselves to be just these kinds of games-as-a-service Battle Royale people. And then the last one is the Call of Duty mobile market, which while I'm sure it's big here in the States probably is more so intended for the international market. And that way you can kind of have the call of duty brand dominating all corners of the, of the mass gaming sphere. And so from that perspective, I get it, but it just seems like almost like a waste of resources to be like, you know, you already have so many teams dedicated to just call of duty, making campaigns and multiplayers on an annual basis. And now we've got, now you got this battle Royale that they, that they have to keep up. And then, now that this is the second time you've done Battle Royale, it's like, are the Battle Royale modes temporary? Do they just get kind of cannibalized from the new entry every every year or two? It's like, it's just a it's just a confusing kind of mess they've made here. But you know, I mean, if they're making money off it and people are playing it, then I guess what the hell do I know? Nonetheless, the game does look pretty interesting. I'm definitely gonna give it a try once I have some free time this week. And I'm I'm just glad we can finally stop talking about this mode that finally, definitely, absolutely existed and now is in the uh now is in the hands of of millions. The other kind of big story that I don't really write down but is, is associated with this is that, you know, if you're playing Warzone on PS4, it doesn't require a PS Plus uh, subscription at all. But if you're playing on Xbox Live, of course, you have to have Xbox Live in order to play it. And that kind of brought up an interesting quarrel this this week. And it's actually it's it's the first time I've seen some like real shade thrown at Xbox in the mainstream in a while. And I think it's kind of somewhat justified, you know, this idea that like, hey, Activision is making this a free to play game they run and maintain the servers, and so like, why do we really have to, why does Sony get to charge you, or require that you have their online service in order to access this game, and so there's, I feel a couple ways about that, you know, it's like, well, I mean, to use like, party systems and all that, that is PlayStation Plus, you know, that's not, that's not Activision maintaining and upholding all that, but, yeah, I guess you should be able at least in theory get some kind of gimped version of access to this game even if you don't have a subscription to PlayStation Plus or Xbox Live because it is a free to play game, it is Activision's game, it is Activision's servers. So why do Microsoft and Sony kind of get to gatekeep access to, you know, or why why do they kind of get to guard the access to these to these online games when it's like, wait, but this is this isn't like your service in your game. So I'm kind of of two minds of this where it's like yeah, I guess I guess Microsoft could just be like, yeah, you can play us without Xbox Live and that would be a nice that'd be like a nice fan servicey move, especially in an era where Microsoft is so fan servicey with with the Xbox brand. But also it's just like, I guess this is a little insensitive towards, you know, I guess pl- gamers with less money or or whatever the reason would be, but like why the hell do you own a PlayStation or an Xbox if you don't have Xbox Live and PlayStation Plus? Like these boxes are kind of useless without the online component to it. I don't know. It'd be like buying a computer it, to me, that's like buying a computer and being like, "Yeah, but we're not gonna we're not gonna pay for internet or buy a router or anything. We're just gonna I'm just gonna buy this this Dell XPS and uh, and and enjoy MS Paint and Microsoft Office with it and and never go online. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Don't buy this machine if you're not gonna subscribe to the online component of it. It's just it's so in- integral to the experience that it's like, why would you have one with the other? The other so so in some ways, to me, it's like kind of a silly thing to even complain about in the first place. Because there's really no reason to have the console without the subscription, but at the same time, I do I do get the argument that it's like, well, if these aren't your servers, if this isn't your game, if there's no you know, if there's no real reason why gamers can't access because like you don't need a PlayStation Plus subscription to access the store and to download stuff. So it's like, if all people need to do is go to the store and download this game, why does why do you require PlayStation Plus to play Activision's game and use their servers? So I'm not entirely sure how that works. I'm not. I'm not sure maybe how much of PlayStation Plus or Xbox Live is required to access a third-party servers or whatever. I I know nothing. I have a tiny brain, but that is an interesting argument. And I think it's one of those things where the uh, PlayStation got to use that as some kind of cannon fodder to make Xbox look a little weak this, this week, as PlayStation has been kind of in a rough spot, uh, deliberately ignoring everyone who's waiting for PS5 news amidst the coronavirus epidemic. So go play Call of Duty, subscribe to Xbox Live, stop being a cheap asshole, and and enjoy some of that last man standing bullshit. Our uh, wrap up story. Actually, we got two more this week. Our wrap up stories. So we got uh, actually, this is, a, this is a big one. The creative director in charge of E3 2020, uh, the new floor experiences associated with E3 uh, has resigned while it is currently unknown. If this has anything to do with either the coronavirus scares or big losses in the show, like Sony's continued absence, all we do know is the following statement that was released via Twitter. This is posted by I Am 8-Bit. These are the creative directors who are running the show floor experience called I Am 8-Bit. They said... It is with mixed emotions that I Am 8-Bit has decided to resign as creative director of what was to be an evolutionary E3 2024 floor experience. We've produced hundreds of gaming plus community events, and it was a dream to be involved with E3. We wish the organizers the best of luck. End quote. The ESA has undoubtedly been struggling with E3's relevance and impact in recent years, as they've attempted to shift more and more fan-focused events as the traditional trade show aspects have gradually been reduced. Microsoft is still planning on being at the show with the Series X, but at this point, anything could change. So, so as you may remember, E3 this year was kind of shifting to focus more on like these weird kinds of experiences. They were going to implement like these kind of metagame experiences into the show to make it more fan focused and to invite more fans to buy tickets and fly out to the show as opposed to the traditional media and industry focused event. And I guess that's what IMAbit was kind of in charge of, of doing, but they have since resigned. And keep in mind, you know, also Jeff Keighley resigned from E3 about a month ago. Sony announced they're not going to be here again this year. EA hasn't been there for years. And this is just like another nail in the E3 coffin. And at this point, you know, if the the coronavirus scare doesn't doesn't die down, if things don't kind of get resolved in regards to that virus in the next like four to six weeks, then the ESA is going to have to cancel E3 as well. Because, I mean, everything's gotten canceled. South by Southwest just got canceled this week. Last week, a bunch of shows got canceled. Like, the ESA cannot be the only one putting on this kind of show in a sea of other shows that have had to cancel due to this. I mean, everyone else will pull out before the ESA cancels if that's the case, that they're so persistent on making this show happen. So they just – they have to do something. But this is just, like, one of those, like, yet another nail in the coffin situations where, like I said last week, the ESA relies on E3 for like more than half their funding, funding annually, so that's why they're so persistent in making the show happen regardless of who, who drops out, but now this show is just kind of a shell of what it was supposed to be, they have so few people attending, they have so many, you know, iconic faces dropping out, they have... They have all this new experience stuff that they were promising kind of fall through the cracks, and who knows how much of it was already kind of set in stone, so maybe a lot of the fruits of I Am 8-Bits labors will will somehow surface on the show floor, but this is one of those things where it's like, this could be the very last E3, possibly, or at the very least, it's just going to be the lamest E3 of all time. And if if they have to cancel this, I'm pretty sure this will be the last E3 just because I don't know that the ESA can afford to miss a year of E3. And there's just been so much bad press around the show that I think I think what's going to happen is, you know, if if the ESA cancels E3 over coronavirus and all these all these uh, companies pulling out this year then what we're going to see is you know Microsoft is going to go through their first year without E3 and Activision and Square Enix and Bethesda and all these companies that really doubled down on E3 are going to go a full year without doing an E3 conference and they're going to go you know what we don't need E3 we still sold just fine especially a company like Bethesda that insists on blowing so much fucking money on E3 and these press conferences that they don't need to be holding that they always do anyway they're going to realize you know our games are still selling we can just hold Nintendo Direct style events at our own pace you know whenever it works for us we don't have to force our developers and our teams to make these vertical slices and these builds of games to be ready for a demo on e3 we can let them take the time to work on the actual game they're making we can do all these things to make it easier for us more affordable for us and still get the message out there and still get our games out on time and still sell millions of copies and we don't need e3 and once that happens it's game over so I think the ESA is desperately trying to make this thing happen, you know, hell or high water, but they're going to have to cancel this. I think especially the reason why you have to keep, regardless of how, how you feel about the coronavirus conversation, you have to keep bringing it in. Because if everyone around you is canceling their events and you're not, and, and this thing stays as bad or gets worse, it, you know, kind of in the public scare and the, in the news cycle as it's been, then you you really have no choice but to cancel the entire event. So we'll uh we'll see but this is just another one of those like really bad things and you can also tell by this by this statement from im8bit that you know they say mixed emotions that they would never say that they would normally they would say like we are saddened to to announce that you know uh we have some unfortunate news today that blah 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 they would never say with mixed emotions that's so that's so outright calling out the esa by saying like fuck you you know they're, like mixed emotions, literally says there are ups and downs to the way we feel about this. Like we hate certain things, we have an issue with certain things, among you know the kind of, the kind of sadness we feel in having to make this decision. So they're outright saying in a more PR kind of stance, like yo, this sucks. Fuck the ESA. <laughs> we we can't be a part of this. We're out. So I don't I don't know that it's that you know quite that emotionally charged, but. It it definitely seems like there's some issue here with the ESA from the perspective of IM8-Bit, which spells even more trouble if, you know, the ESA is difficult to work with or if working on this E3 project has proven to be more of a chore than it's worth. So pretty much all bad news for E3, but um, hopefully we'll somehow pull through and get a solid E3, even if this is the last time we see it, just because, man, I'd really like another one of those, like, classic E3 years where it's just you see all the new consoles, all the new games, and you get super hyped up like we used to back when we were... uh back when we were young high schoolers watching the announcement of the Xbox one. And then our wrap up story for the week comes directly from IGN. This might not be a super interesting one for a lot of you. Cause I know a lot of gamers aren't sports fans. Uh, I myself am not a football fan, but I think uh, this is a really important one just because the football and the gaming industry really matters a lot. Despite how much, you know, gamers want to laugh off football. It, it really accounts for a large income for companies like EA. And, and there really is a massive market for it. So it, it, it absolutely matters. Um, but yeah, the NFL and 2K games have announced an agreement today. Or today, this is the this is the the story from IGN. It was a few days ago now, um, but they announced an agreement that will see the publisher of NBA 2K and WWE 2K return to football. But EA's long-running Madden NFL series will remain unchallenged in the high-end simulator market. So, quote, the game will be a non-simulation football game experience, said 2K press release, adding, while specific game titles, developers, and release dates will be announced at a later date, 2K confirmed that the projects are in early development and will be launching starting in calendar year 2021. 2 k senior VP of sports strategy and licensing, Jason Argent, told IGN. He says, quote, these games will be NFL 2K products, definitely. So, I assume it's going to be called NFL 2K uh, 2021, 2022, something like that. Uh, But anyway, he says, or the story continues rather this is the first time anyone but ea will release an nfl football game since 2k's extremely well received aggressively priced espn nfl 2k5 in july 2004 after which ea signed a long term exclusive deal with the nfl quote the nfl is one of the most successful sports brands in the world known for creating incredible entertainment for fans said 2k president david is- Ismailer, we're thrilled to be back in business with NFL in partnership that will span multiple video games centered on fun, approachable, and social experiences. Press for details on these, quote, non-simulation football game experiences, or what they would be, rather. Argent says, quote, our goal has always been authentically deep and fun. And is relates uh, to these titles, approachable and social football experiences. We think that a good opportunity to serve uh, to service a more casual market, and our research shows that the that there is an appetite for it. So does that mean that mobile platforms, next gen consoles, both, or even an in between? Neither the NFL or Two K would comment on that as of now. Uh, When asked how long the deal would be in the works, NFL vice president and head of gaming and esports, Rachel Hoagland, uh, says, quote, we stayed in touch quite regularly over the course of the past couple of years. NFL's senior vice president in consumer products, Joe uh, Ruggiero, says expanding the NFL's presence in a world of gaming has become a focus for the league as we as we look to grow the next generation of our fan base and reviving our partnership with 2K was a natural step in that effort, end quote. So that's the story. First two things to get off the bat: This is uh, this is one the EA contract or need to be re-upped and re-signed. And basically, the NFL said, "Yo, you can keep your exclusive simulation whatever agreement. You, you give us a lot of money. Madden makes a shit ton of money. We're good with that. But we need to get this license in other places." This is similar to the MLB story, where I think I think it's that. <laughs> You know, MLB doesn't have the kind of audience it once had. The NFL is in the same boat. It doesn't have the audience it once had. So these these sports sports franchises, these sports companies, want to expand and make as much money as possible as, you know, they start selling fewer tickets at their stadiums and, and fewer passes to these, like... Uh, these live stream services they offer and in they go, they look around and they look at their portfolio and and where they're making their money. And they go, you know what? We make a shit ton of money in gaming. So just like how MLB was like, why are we letting Sony only make a game that can only be sold on Sony consoles when we can expand this to a way bigger market between Nintendo PC and Microsoft, you know, and why the hell are we allowing now the NFL is doing the same thing. We're like, why the hell are we only allowing Madden to make, NFL games you know remember when we had fun NFL games why don't we let someone else make an NFL game so now they're they're going to 2k and they're saying hey you're good. You're back in business. So EA, they still have this agreement where they make the super authentic, simulated NFL game, but you can make an NFL game. We'll give you the license. We'll give you the teams and the players and all that shit, but you got to just make something different from Madden so that you're not cutting into their agreed market per their contract with us. And so this is one of those things where it's like, first of all, yay for, for um, football fans. Uh, yay for everyone, actually, because football, even as someone who like vehemently doesn't give a shit about, about football at all, um, I, will, I will say that I, I actually used to enjoy those uh, NFL Blitz games because they were funny as shit. You could, you could just go nuts and tackle people and do crazy shit, and it was super arcadey sports, and I think there's a market for that. And I think if you want to get people who aren't traditionally involved in these kinds of sports to maybe pay attention, those are the kinds of games you need to put out because – I'm sure if I were a football fan, a game like Madden NFL would be so cool because it's so authentic. You're playing with the actual players. You're following all the stats and all the things going on with the actual season as it's happening in real time. It's a really cool game, I'm sure. But if you're someone who's not interested in football, then everything about what I just said is going to turn you off further from football, much in the way that if you're not a car guy, everything about Forza Motorsport is going to turn you off from cars because it's just further like ostracizing you and your already like lack of knowledge of what you know what like simulation racing is and what like real cars are all about but if you're someone who's like cars are whatever i don't care and then you play a game like forza horizon which is arcadian fun as shit and lets you do crazy stuff you might be like holy shit i never realized how cool cars are it might be your gateway drug into the world of becoming you know a gearhead or car head or whatever the hell they uh, self-proclaim to be um and you know i think 2k has the opportunity to do something similar i don't know to go I don't know if they're going to go just as nuts um, as something like NFL Blitz and, and make a super fun and, and quirky football game. Or, But, I mean, th- I think it'd be to their benefit to play into that kind of stuff more. Because if you can't make the super authentic simulation game, then you can make the fun, wacky game. You know, you can make the, N- the NBA – uh forget the name of it. It escapes me now. But, you know, there, there are these – the NBA Jam. You can make, like, the NBA Jam – a football game. So go ahead and get wacky with it make, make something cool. Get some non-football fans into it. Get some more casual football fans into it. Get some football fans who are clamoring for all the football. They can get a different kind of football game. So they have something to break up the monotony of just Madden every year, all year, you know? So this is a great opportunity just for the diversity of, of, you know, sports games in the industry. I think this is something we've been solely lacking for the past 10, 15 years. And it's also awesome because, uh, you know, it's a, it's a good way to expand brand awareness and, get some more gamers involved i don't know i see this as a a pretty great opportunity i think it's kind of bullshit that ea's kind of monopolized football the way they have over the years it's it's another one of those ea things where it's like you know i know everyone hates ea it's fun to hate on ea i have my issues with ea as well but i feel like my issues are maybe maybe just as stupid and unjustified but different at least from what everyone else is hating Uh, you can say whatever you want about loot boxes and what they did with star wars battlefront my my bigger issue with ea is how they just they just try to monopolize everything it's like they're, they make a, a half decent NFL game, and they go, "Oh wow, you know Madden's a good game. We're scared of competition. Let's let's make the NFL do a, a, an agreement with us, so no one else can make a football game." It's like stopping a bitch. If Madden's the best football game, it will sell the best and be the best. You don't need to make a stupid agreement, pay shit tons of money because you're afraid of competition. Stop being a dumb little bitch. Same thing with Star Wars. It's like, why did they have to get this exclusive license from Disney to do Star Wars? It's like, everyone suffered from that. You can say, I I, I know a lot of people like Star Wars Battlefront 2 now. That's great. I think Star Wars Battlefront 2 is fine. Even when it came out, I was lighter on it than a lot of other people were being to begin with. I think Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order is pretty good. I think the first Battlefront from 2015 is ass and i think it's inexcusable how few star wars games ea has been able to get out since they've had the ip and it's just like why are we why are we robbing all the players and all the other teams the opportunity to make awesome star wars games because you guys are so fucking insecure that you can't make a good star wars game they just have to buy out the sole license from disney it's it's just so lame it's it's so pathetic it's like imagine if like call of duty what I don't know. What if the NRA had like a monopoly on games with guns and Activision's like, we're so insecure about Call of Duty not being the best that we need to buy out the license for games that include guns. So now no one else can make another game involving shooting because Activision wants to monopolize the market with Call of Duty. It's like, like, have some fucking confidence in your developers and your brands, man. I don't know. Uh, that's that's my issue with ea but i this is this makes me happy to see that there's some competition to mat in there's something else you know even in nba even in even in mlb we have some diversity you know there's rbi baseball which while not a good game at all at least it's something other than you know MLB The Show, so you can play something on Xbox, you can play something if you don't want to be super simulated, super authentic, so. Don't know why I'm ranting about sports, I don't even give a shit about football, but that's that. That's our news stories for this week, some little tidbit stories, uh, I kind of alluded to it earlier, but... Uh, due to coronavirus, uh, this year's South by Southwest has been canceled. Traditionally, a music and arts festival. Uh, it's geared more towards gaming over the past few years, and now it's really associated with gaming as of as of the past few years, including this is usually the event where we get news on Sonic the Hedgehog games. That's really why I'm torn over this. We were supposed to get some news on Sonic this year at South by Southwest. Hopefully, we'll still get that news in some form or fashion, but... I'm definitely mourning that. Earlier this week, developer Ninja Theory announced the final character for the new 4v4 brawler, Bleeding Edge. So Miko, the cyborg dolphin in a fish tank suit, is the latest in a long line of ridiculous characters that has been added to the game. It features the abilities like Sonar Gun, Bubble Block, and Surge. Miko will be playable when the game launches on March 24th. Go look this up. This character looks like complete garbage. I don't. It's kind of fun, but it's also kind of absurd. So that's cool. Uh, and then our last one, our last little story, a death set. I don't know what you'd call them. They're like an experimental cool kid band, like a punk band for cool kids. They posted this week on their Facebook and then immediately deleted, uh, quote, just licensed five new songs to a Tony Hawk game for 2020. You'll be hearing this shit soon, And quote. Activision hasn't announced anything as it yet, but there have been some people who've been trying to leak information on this, and there have been this illusion that we're getting a one in two, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater one in two remake this year. Um, and this would kind of play into what Activision was saying earlier in the year, when they said that they were bringing back a beloved franchise at some point in 2020. Uh, but also, for those who who may remember, in 2018, Tony Hawk kind of had a breakup with Activision. Uh, he confirmed after the bat, after the release of the poorly received Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 5 uh, that he's no longer working with that publisher on the franchise. So if they, if they are bringing back Tony Hawk in some form or fashion, the man himself has no involvement with the project. But here's hoping we get a good Tony Hawk game because those used to be really awesome. And now we're just going to uh pour through our our game releases of the week everyone's favorite segment the segment where i literally talk myself in circles while i stare at screenshots for games i'll never play there are a total of 11 new games coming to xbox this week so buckle in fuck boys we got a we got a handful we got ori and the will of the wisps i'm not quite sure what this is but it's a very artistic looking game you've got an owl you've got this little white ghost pepper looking fuck boy squirrel and they are, sta- they are standing in this beautiful, like, twilight tree. Um, I assume this is, like, one of those furry games. This is, like, one of those uh, Harry Potter and the Order of the Owls or some shit like that. Um, it is Xbox enhanced, so not, I'm not going to really say shit about that because I have a lot of respect for owls, actually. They're really important to our ecosystem, I think. It's kind of disrespectful to shit talk owls, so I'm not going to try to be snarky about that one, actually. You should probably donate to your local uh, uh, zoologist. If you love owls, next game is called Super Destro, not Land Wars. March 11th is is the release date, so it's already out. What are you What are you waiting for? This is a polygonal a polygonal game where you uh where you shoot at blocks and things like that. So it's it's a score chaser, which is a pretty cool game. Uh, but what makes this game really special is that for some reason there are these little bushes of plants. And at first I thought, okay, so like you shoot at enemy ships, it's polygonal, everything's kind of like uh, ast- abstract and hard to hard to determine what you're shooting at. Um, but then there are like these little bushes, and at first I thought it was just patches of grass. But now I realize, I think you're I think you're shooting at at, at pot leaves. So I think this is kind of like a social statement on like you know kids that just say no. Um, so like you're you're the you're the war mech kind of shooting the enemies and you're also shooting these pot leaves it's it's your opportunity to say you know, my body, my choice, you know, live above the influence, all that kind of jazz. And you're choosing you're choosing to say no by shooting pot in the face. This is a basically a game about the war on drugs. So if you're if you're a good guy, if you're a Joe Biden supporter, I highly recommend you super destronaut land wars. It's out now, it's not Xbox One X enhanced, but it is available to the public for a nominal fee. Our next game is called Hidden Through Time, which it releases March twelfth. If you ever wanted to play a game that looked like your little brother drew a stick figure picture, then this is the game for you. Um, everything looks like ass everyone's a stick figure and you can you can basically do RTS related things so play that garbage and then we got Bless Unleashed this is the sequel to Sonic Unleashed but now you play as Bless who is a arcane knight uh, you have a sword you have a shield you fight dragons but I'm really fixated how on the picture while this knight is is, is focused on this battle with a dragon there's just a patch of, of 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 field of grass that's just burning it's just a it's set ablaze and no one seems to be worried about this, so I assume this game uh, takes place in Australia. So that's Xbox One X enhanced. And then our next game is called Neon City Raiders, which is another 8 uh, bit indie game where you play in this kind of uh, this kind of cyberpunk world uh everyone's a little cool everyone's a little hardened there's a bar you can go talk to people meet real rustic authentic people uh you can explore you can create your character you can be non-binary it's very progressive there's probably a couple allusions to hillary clinton in the game you can collect coins which can be used as currency so the game's obviously a commentary on capitalism uh but you do have a health bar so watch what you do because like like in real life you only have four lives And then our next game is called Pikuniku, which is like Pikachu, but instead it's like a stupid game where you play as a red ball with legs. Um, this is one of those games for people who uh, don't have friends, so they can't start a real game studio. They just have to make a game by themselves. So you play as this red ball, you jump on a windmill, you get flown around and it looks pretty rudimentary. It looks pretty basic. It's like baby's first game. But what is important to note is that there is this little bee that follows you around. Um, so that's gonna make the game really, really kind of alarming to know that like you're always being chased. So I guess this is this is kind of a game about, you know, it's about the trail of tears. It's how you kind of always on the run and that even when you feel safe, even when you feel like you've reached a point where you can rest your feet for a bit, you you got to turn around and realize there's you got to keep running because there's always someone after you and and life is a uh, life is precaution, precarious, precurious, precarious and uh, and uh, you you never know what the future holds. So. So stay on your toes, everybody. Our next game is called State of Decay 2 Juggernaut Edition. So this is like kind of comical what they did here. So State of Decay 2, I played this actually a little bit last year. I was a little underwhelmed by it. It's not bad. It's it's pretty decent. But um, a lot of people complained, you know, when the game came out. The game's kind of small. It's a $40 game. Or I think it came out $30 actually. But, it, you know, it's a small game. It's not really it's not as much as people thought there would be with the funding of Microsoft and you kind of the second attempt of a sequel and all that, that players of the first game were expecting a much bigger game. So Microsoft took that quite literal. And so instead of just releasing an expansion for the game, they just released a bigger version of the game. And now let me tell you why this is an issue. So if you download the game, there's no problem with that. You can just download the update, download the Juggernaut edition, you get all the content, you're good to go. But if you go to stores, if you're someone who still buys physical editions, you're going to go to Walmart or Target or Best Buy and ask for the Juggernaut edition, and it's literally just going to be the same game, State of Decay 2, but in a larger case, a larger disc, and the problem a lot of people have been reporting is apparently because it's the Juggernaut edition, because it's so large, they can't even get the disc to fit in their Xbox. Um, So that's, I guess, you got to be careful what you ask for. You know, people say the game's not big enough, Microsoft makes it bigger, fans bitch and complain anyway, no one's happy, everyone's just a miserable fuck, but yeah, you gotta be careful what you ask for, because the, the Juggernaut edition is just, um, it's too big to play on Xbox, but it is Play Anywhere, so there you go, maybe you can play it on PlayStation, maybe it'll fit in your PlayStation, if it's Play Anywhere. Round Guard is our next game, this looks like one of those games where you match things, and, and you shoot things, and It's puzzly, and there's little bite-sized levels, and you get graded on three stars, and and then you ask yourself after playing for a little bit, why am I doing this on my Xbox when I could just play Angry Birds for free on my phone? So yeah, uh, I don't know the name of the developer, but I would definitely scold them for making that game because it's not worth your time. Our next game is called My My Hero 1's 1 Possessive, My Hero 1's Justice 2. I I don't even have to tell you what's happening on the screenshot for you to know that's a Japanese game. You just know. Uh, but yeah, there's an anime kid. He's in this fighting stance. there's electricity emanating off his body. He, he has this like a um, determined to, uh, fight face on where he's like, oh, I'm gonna become powerful. there's gonna be some weak female character. I'm gonna tell her she's stupid, that I'm gonna become a Pokemon master or some shit because that's what all these games are about. And yeah, so if you want to play another another Japanese game, our next game is called, um, M- M- Meko Tales, Mecho Tales, I don't know if this is related to the new character in, in Ninja Theory's Bleeding Edge, but maybe you play as a dolphin, maybe you don't, it looks like a, it looks like a brawler, it looks like a Smash Bros or Brawlhalla kind of knockoff, so if you've been looking for yet another reason to get all, get all your boys over and play a multiplayer game, then I think you found it, and then we're gonna wrap up with our final game of the week, which is Ritual Crown Horns, this is a satanic game, so this is the kind of game my mom wouldn't let me play as a kid, but Basically, you play as this woman. She looks like a yoga instructor. Uh, She's in this green aura, this green bubble. And she's basically meditating. There's a bunch of demons uh, from hell, presumably. And they're all coming after her. And there's a timer in the top center that says 2 minutes and 53 seconds. And this is stressful because she's basically got 2 minutes and 53 seconds left of her meditation stance. But these demons are coming for her. So your, your objective is to basically find ways to meditate in hell while not being destroyed by demons. So I assume that's an extraordinarily stressful, but it's a it's a good exercise and kind of like... I don't know. I think it's pretty thought-provoking to think, you know, meditation is this thing that's supposed to calm and relax and soothe, but we don't always have the time to do it. Sometimes there are demons after us. Our pasts are catching up to us. Um, and you've got to finish your meditation. You've got to reach your nirvana um, before the past gets, you, gets the best of you, before you get dragged to hell, before the time runs out. And so it is... <laughs> I don't know. It's it's um it's quite a it's I don't know. It's a thought provoking game to say the least. But I don't know that I have the um I might I might get too stressed out playing a game like that to be honest. So um, definitely check that out for sure. But that's gonna do it for the, the games this week. I definitely appreciate you bearing with me through that. And as a reminder, our games with gold for the month of March. We've got Batman The Enemy Within throughout the rest of the month. We've got Shantae Half-Genie Hero, which will now be available March 16th through April 15th. So in a few days, that will become available. And then Castlevania Lords of Shadows, that is only available on the 360 side um, until March 15th. So be sure to download that now if you haven't already. And then Sonic Generations will become available beginning March 16th through the rest of the month. And please download Sonic Generations. It is just... The best thing ever made. Thank you so much for listening to Xbox on, guys. I gotta, I gotta let you know. I live in the state of Florida, and I'm not affiliated with any, with any um, political party. So I wasn't able to vote in the primaries yesterday, because you have to be a card-carrying Republican or Democrat in order to vote in this state. Isn't that fucked up? So you know what I did instead? Last night, you know what I did instead? I ordered a Razer Phone Two off eBay that I didn't need, and now I'm gonna play some Xbox. Project X Cloud. I'm really looking forward to it. Thanks very much for listening, guys. Eric, take it away.